Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be, God is our refuge. Let's begin in Psalm 46. Psalm 46, which was written to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamah. Beginning in the first verse, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mounds be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mounds shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease. Under the end of the earth, he breaketh the bow, and cutteth the spear in sunder, he burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. In this psalm, we find, as well as in many other places in scripture, that God is our refuge. This is important for us to understand, because in the Christian life, there are many times when we need refuge, and the better we understand it, the more we'll be able to embrace it and to cherish it. Having God as our refuge is one of the greatest parts of having Christ in our lives, but it's a part that many times goes unnoticed and underutilized. There are two different words that are translated as refuge in this chapter. In verse 1, The word for refuge in the Hebrew means refuge, shelter. The concordance says that it means hope, a place of refuge, a shelter, trust. Then we find a different word. Both verses 7 and 10 use this second word. In other versions of the Bible, it translates as stronghold. In Hebrew, it means a secure height, retreat, stronghold. The concordance says that it means a lofty or inaccessible place. Noah Webster defined refuge as shelter or protection from danger or distress or calamity, a stronghold which protects by its strength, or a sanctuary which secures safety by its sacredness, any place inaccessible to an enemy. This sheds even more light on what exactly God's role as our refuge means for us. There are a few different elements that make God the refuge that he is to us. And it's important that we look at these individually. The first element is shelter. 
God is able to shelter us from the storms of life. There are times when the enemy will be attacking us, the world will be turning upside down, and our life will be shaken. And during these times, we need a shelter that we can go to. God provides this for us. Psalm 27 and 5 in the Amplified Bible says, For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter, in the secret place of his tent. He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. Psalm 31, verses 19 to 20 tell us in the New International Version, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. It's in God that we find the truest form of shelter because he goes beyond just sheltering us in the physical sense. He more importantly shelters us in the spiritual. Shelter carries with it some implications. The first one being protection. The reason why we live in shelters is to protect us from the outside elements because there's a harsh world that lies just outside the door. God does the same. He protects us from what lies outside of Him, what lies outside of His will, and what lies outside of His plans for our lives. The second implication is provision. It's in our homes that we find our daily provision, the food and drink that we need, along with all the other necessities that we have. And God, to an even greater degree, perfectly meets our needs in the fullest sense. He's promised us that He will do this. Philippians 4 and 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He gives us our spiritual food through His Word, and He gives us the strength and wisdom that we need to fight the spiritual battles that we constantly face in this life. In our Father's house, there is never a need that goes unmet. The third implication is rest. One of the purposes of a place of refuge or shelter is to have a place to rest. Resting, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, is not the passive type of resting that we usually associate with that word. It's active. It's resting in which we are consciously making a decision and doing something. God desires for us to rest in Him, to rest in His promises. We do this by claiming them for our lives, regarding them as already being done, and we then actively live as if the manifestation of the promise is already ours, because in reality, it is. We're just waiting for its arrival. These are the things that make a shelter what it is, and these are only some of the reasons that God is our shelter. The next element is trust. In order for a refuge to truly serve its purpose, we have to trust in its ability to protect us. And since God is our refuge, we need to be able to trust in Him. We're told in Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Trust, unlike love, is not something that's freely given. It's something that's built up over time through experience, and it's no different when it comes to our trust in God. We trust God, not only because we had an experience with Him when we were born again, but also because we continue to experience Him and His character as we grow in our faith. And it's this experience that allows us to trust, because now we have something on which to base our trust. Psalm 9 and 10 says, And they that know thy name 
will put their trust in thee. For thou, O Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. When we know God, we're free to trust him because we know his character and that he is always faithful. Since we have all of his promises about refuge, we know that he'll never let us down in our hour of need, which is why we go to him. Psalm 28 and 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The most important reason why we're able to trust him is because his character never changes. People will change, but God never does. And since we know this, we know that anything he's said and anything he's promised will always stay the same. It's his immutability, the fact that he never changes, that allows us to be absolutely sure of his ability to protect and care for us. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 and 19 tell us, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for a refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Our trust leads us to the next element, which is hope. A refuge, just by nature of what it is, provides hope, because it's a place of respite and escape. It's a place that offers another chance. As Christians, we find our hope in the Lord, and He offers hope to us when we come to Him. If we don't have hope, we have nothing, which is why hope is one of the fundamentals of our faith. Zechariah 9 and 12 tells us, Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. This verse shows the depth of hope that we should have. Hope that we can't escape. Hope that's always with us. Hope that we're immersed in. The same way that a prisoner is immersed in the prison system. The reason why hope is so important is that hope in God provides the motivation to keep going. It gives us the will to fight another day. It gives us the urgency to spread the gospel and the love of Christ to those who haven't experienced him yet while there's still time. The Lord not only gives us hope, he is hope himself. We know this from Romans 15 and 13, which says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Anytime that we're with God, there's hope. It's when we try to leave God and try to walk away from his word that we start to lose our hope. But hope is never far away. It's always within us because God is within us. We can always find it where we find God, which is why it's inseparable from his role as our refuge. He builds up our hope so that when the battles come, we're ready. When the hardships of life befall many people, especially those who haven't personally had an encounter with Christ, they don't go to God as their refuge. They look for a substitute. Isaiah 28, verses 14 to 16 say, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule his people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, 
and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. This is what we find with a lot of people. They find refuge in lies, which is more nuanced than it seems on the surface. They're not just finding their refuge in anything. They're finding their refuge in the exact opposite of all that God is and all that he stands for. John 14 and 6 tells us, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. God is truth. He's truth personified. His character is truth. All that he is, is truth. There's no falsehood in him at all. There's no lies to be found in him. It's not even possible for him to lie. So when people are finding refuge in lies, when people are hiding under falsehood, they're doing the exact opposite of what God would have them to do. And the result is the exact opposite of what would have happened had they found their refuge in God. Lies, unlike God, will betray you, always. It's an unchanging principle of life. The Word of God proves to us that lies aren't a suitable substitute for a refuge. People need refuge in order to escape, but lies can't help you do that. Proverbs 19 and 5 says, A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. A refuge is a place to hide, but lies can't be hidden. Luke 8 and 17 tells us, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. You can't find shelter in lies because shelter is meant to represent stability, something that it's impossible for lies to provide. Proverbs 12 and 19 says, The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. You can't place hope in lies because that hope never comes to fruition, nothing ever manifests, and in the end, it's left as just another hope deferred, which is the only possible result when hoping in lies, because the lie offers a hope not rooted in faith, but a hope rooted in deceit, a hope that was never real to begin with. Proverbs 13 and 12 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. The worst of all, is when people put their trust in lies, which will only ever lead them to their own destruction. Instead of being a secret place of refuge, lies thrust them out in front of the enemy, exposing them to every type of disaster, distress, and calamity possible. Jeremiah 7 and 8 says, Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Lies never profit. They always end in themselves, and they leave a person in the same place where they started. They don't protect. At best, they just postpone the inevitable. People go to lies to try to hide the truth from others and from God and even from themselves. But lies never do what these people are looking for them to do. They do the opposite. And in the end, they're still left in need of a place of refuge. It's at this point that many go to God to find their refuge, realizing the error of their ways. But many others still won't go to God and they harden their hearts in lies and let those lies ultimately destroy their lives. There's no substitute to finding refuge in God because there is no substitute to God himself. The only place we can go in our hour of need is to the Lord. This is why it's important that we guard our hearts and our minds 
so that we don't give in to the lies of the enemy, through which he tries to offer us a counterfeit place of refuge. Let's go to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, beginning in the first verse, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. We find again in this chapter the importance of God as our refuge, and the benefits that come with that. Verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Our refuge in the Lord is a secret place. Anything that's secret is hidden. It's unknown to others, especially to an enemy. And since it's unknown, it's naturally inaccessible, which is one of the definitions that we saw earlier for a refuge. When we find our refuge in the Lord, we're made inaccessible to the enemy. This is something that we have to keep in mind when we're enduring the attacks of the devil. We can't allow ourselves to take this for granted. This is one of the greatest privileges that we have in Christ. The devil's ability to harm us is limited. He can harm our body. He can oppress our souls, but he can never touch our spirit. That most intimate part of our being is completely out of his reach. It's completely inaccessible to him. Because when we're born again, our spirit belongs to the Lord, and his Holy Spirit dwells within it. Matthew 10 and 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Attacking us in the physical sense is one of the devil's main devices that he uses against us. He also does this with our soul. Since we're born again, he can never possess our spirit, but he will try to oppress our soul, putting a heavy burden on our mind and heart. But the Lord still offers refuge for this. Psalm 9 and 9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in the times of trouble. Understanding this, shows us that our refuge comes when we use our spirit. This is when we commune with God through prayer and worship, being in His presence, when we listen inwardly to the intuition that the Spirit impresses upon our hearts, and when we follow the warnings of the Holy Spirit through our conscience. These are all different ways for which He protects us, shelters us, stabilizes, and strengthens us. When we're in the presence of God, the devil can't reach us, we're in the secret place. We're hidden under his shadow, covered by his wings. It's in being with him that we find our refuge. The same way that we saw that hope is within us, so is refuge. The major mistake that so many Christians make 
is that when the attacks of this world are beating them down and they don't know what to do or where to go, when they're in their hour of need and are looking for refuge, they look outwardly for the answer. They expect the answer to come from some person or some place that they can see and perceive in the natural. And they become disillusioned and disenchanted when they don't find what they're looking for. We'll never find refuge outside of ourselves or outside of God. We need to look inwardly because God is inward. He's within us, which entails that the refuge that we're looking for is already within us. We just need to utilize what's already there. When we trust in the Lord and find our hope in Him, it makes a difference in our life that others are able to notice. It opens the door for us to share with others the refuge that we found in Christ. Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 5 to 8 tell us, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. This is what we find in the secret place. We find an embassy of heaven. Finding our refuge in God works like a greenhouse. The purpose of a greenhouse is to give plants a place to grow and to flourish, even in the midst of an environment that's hostile to them. And God does the same thing. He gives us a secret place where we can grow and flourish in His presence and continue to bear fruit that glorifies Him, even in the midst of a world that's continually hostile towards us. The secret place is an amazing place. It's a place where we're free from fear, free from anxiety, free from doubt, and most importantly, a place where we're free to be with God and enjoy His presence. We find protection, shelter, hope, and all the best things that God has for His children there. In the natural, refuge is only meant to be a temporary thing, just so the immediate needs of the moment are met. But it's different with God. With God, refuge is eternal. It's a state of being that we have in Him. We're always protected, always sheltered, and because of this, we're free to always have hope. Let's make the decision today to utilize the refuge that God is offering to us. And let's go to the secret place. Let's spend time in His presence and enjoy His care and provision for us. Then we'll be able to say with David in Psalm 32 and 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are our refuge. We thank you that during that hour of need that we go through, during that time when the attacks of the world are bearing down on us, during those times when the attacks of the devil seem to relentlessly be coming against us, we thank you that you've taken notice of what we're going through, that you haven't forgotten us, and that you've provided a way of escape, that you've made a place right within us where we can be inaccessible to the enemy. We thank you that we can find our protection and our shelter and our hope perfectly in you. Lord, we thank you that you never change, 
that your character is immutable. And because of this, Lord, we thank you that we're free to trust in you, not only because we've been born again, but because we continually see your faithfulness towards us as we grow and flourish in our faith and our relationship with you. And we thank you that the refuge that we enjoy in you will serve as a testament of your greatness to those around us, and that that may be the very thing that helps them come to you. And we thank you that we can be a vessel used by you to allow that to take place. Lord, we thank you that you've always been our refuge and always will be. And we thank you that you've never forgotten us and will never forsake us. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to find refuge in God and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.